welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Carrie and Jesper. Glad to have you guys today. We'll be talking today about, well, we'll start with the apology story. And if it fleshes out into enough, uh, we'll just stick with that and then save advising the prince for another day. But we'll see if there's enough here in this apology story. I don't know if there is or not. At first, I didn't think there was, but the more I read it, the more I think there may be a little more there. So we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Announcements. Craig's not here to talk about the Facebook page, so I will. We have a Dow of Understanding uh, private Facebook group that we can discuss the things during the week that we uh, talk about in the podcast. And then we do other quotes and posts that we have that are related to Taoist thought. Jesper, we were talking before the recording, and we were talking about how when we found the we found the Tao after we were in recovery, and how it just made so much sense as to more of a, a grasping and a more of a knowledge of a higher power. It such complemented what we saw in the Big Book. I think is is a way to say it, right? Uh, and then we started looking, and then we found all these things, and we just see more and more how I think it really helps to. People come into recovery, a lot of times they're angry at God. You know, they they have this God idea. First of all, a lot of us have to abandon our old ideas of what God is. Uh, some of us, uh, that's exactly what I had to do. And then a lot of people have no grasp of God in any form or fashion, and they fall somewhere between that God as being a group of drunks in the room and the doorknob, which is if you're not if you're in if you're recovery, they said you could even have a doorknob be your higher power. I don't quite get that, but somewhere in the middle of all of that, we have the Tao. Yeah, I think it really adds because a lot of what I read about the Tao is all about acceptance, not about changing anything. It's about accepting what is. Is that what y'all found? Y'all have any comments before we get started on that? How y'all got to? Looking for looking at uh, the Tao as part of your uh, higher power. Go ahead, Jesper. Well, I think what I liked about you know getting more into you know at first I was being asked to think if if I thought everything was just coincident, you know, and you know I said no, and that was that was enough for me to kind of move on, like for the willingness to think that there was something greater than myself. Um. And, and, and as I went along, like getting in to the Tao, you know, like, um, it's either everything or it's nothing. Just like God is either everything or he's nothing. Um, and, and then, you know, y- yeah, you started seeing God and everything and, uh, and, or the Tao. <laughs> um, and, and I think that, you know, that's, a it's just made it easier, you know, cause like, um, as long as I'm not, you know, I don't think that a doorknob is, is more powerful than I am. Cause I can, you know, I can open it. I can close it. I can take it off. I can, you know, I've heard pe- people say like, you know, you can have a slice of pizza as your higher power. You know, again, it's like, <laughs> uh, I needed something a bit bigger than that. So, so everything is bigger than me. So that's, you know, yeah. that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what the Tao did for me, too. It, it, the idea of the Tao is that this is just a way of life that's not discriminatory in any form or fashion. And it really works well with, with my concept of uh, a higher power. Carrie, you have something to? Uh, no, I'm just going to kind of say how I got here, too, is, is I think growing up, I kind of religion and never trusted it too much to be honest and so I was always looking for something to kind of guide me um, a higher power to guide me and when I got into this it 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> it was a long path of like probably six, seven, eight years of probably starting with Benjamin Hoff's book of the Dao Fu, and then kind of actually picking up a Dao and reading through it and finding different uh, parts of it. But I think what I'm coming to understand, and one of my favorite chapters of the Dao Te Ching is chapter 14. Um, and it talks about, you know, look, you can't see it. Um, listen, you can't hear it. Um, reach out, you can't touch it. And think, I'm starting to realize that, that my higher power is something that it's, it's there. Like chapter 14 says, I just can't really use my senses to feel it. I have to feel it in other ways. And I think that's what I get out of these is some lessons in life on how to, how to apply that um, in a physical sense and a mental sense. Thank you, Carrie. Amy, you have something? Yeah, I just, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't really know how I got here. I just know that I'm here right now and it's okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading a book um, several years ago, um, stumbling upon it because I was looking for a topic for, or like some, some deeper readings for a women's group AA meeting. And I stumbled across this website and it led me to a book and the wisdom traditions. And it, it took each step. I don't even know who published it. But it took me to like each step and as um, like different traditions like Buddhism and Taoism and Hinduism and Islam and Native American and cosmology and like some things I'd never even heard of. And so then I was like, oh, I think I'll read this with the sponsee. This is kind of cool. And then after that reading we decided we were both Taoist and that's that was that several years ago and then all of a sudden here I am participating in a podcast reading 400 different translations you know and stories and yeah so you know synchronicity nothing happens in God's world by mistake I don't I don't care what the higher power is I just know it's not me and as long as I continue to seek something outside of myself then I'll continue to grow and become the best version of me there is so yes yes thank you it's just that simple isn't it (laughs) I know how Heidi got here she she led a the Sunday morning meeting that I used to attend back home and talked about the Tao in the meeting and then it said well you've got to check out the podcast I know that's how Heidi got here, but I don't know if she can talk. She's, I think she's working. Yeah. Good to have all y'all. It's amazing. You know, every step is on the path, you know, every step. Amy, will you read the story for us, please? It's, uh, entire, oh, I didn't finish the announcements. Talked about the Facebook group, buddyc.org has a lot of the books, a lot of recovery resources there at buddyc.org as well. So check that out. Then our nightly meeting, zoomaameetings.com will take you to our 9 p.m. Eastern online meeting of AA that's every night. Six nights a week, we do uh, Sunday through Friday, we do an open discussion meeting. And on, on Saturday, we have a speaker meeting. Join us sometime. All those links are in the resources at buddyc.org. Amy, you ready to read for us, ma'am? Apologies. If a man steps on a stranger's foot in the marketplace, he makes a polite apology and offers an explanation. This place is so terribly crowded. If an elder brother steps on his younger brother's foot, he says, sorry, and that is that. If a parent treads on his child's foot, nothing is said at all. The greatest politeness is free of all formality. Perfect conduct is free of concern. Perfect wisdom is unplanned. Perfect love is without demonstrations. Perfect sincerity offers no guarantee. Comments? I thought it was interesting that it says steps on steps on treads on the child's foot. What's that about? That he even steps harder. It's, I think it's just the fact that for the child, it may even, it may even be more, more of a stepping on than than the others, you know, that the child, it may be more severe for the child, even with that severity, 
there, there may not be any words said in this. Of course, I would say I was sorry. But, you know, I might pat him, whatever, you know, but it wouldn't be like a real formal, a formal thing. But uh, I think the point is that the more love that's in the relationship, the less, um, the less formalities there. Um, and it's interesting, you make it the first guy, and I think maybe a better name for this, maybe no apologies necessary <laughs> instead of apologies, you know? Because if you step on a stranger's foot, you have an excuse, you know? If you step on your brother's foot, hey, I'm sorry about that. You know, there's no excuse for it. You don't say, oh, it's crowded. I'm so sorry. You know, none of that. You just, hey, I'm sorry. I would be like, you stuck your foot in my space. I stepped on it. <laughs> Watch your fucking foot and I won't step exactly. on it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. I stepped on it's your, your foot. It's your fault. Exactly. <laughs> One thing that came to my mind on the, I have three children, so uh, there's a lot of treading and stepping. Um, but you know, um, nothing is said at all. You know, I think nothing needs to be said because your actions on a daily basis will make up for that. The child already know that you're sorry that, right. you know, um, like no words needs to be said because you, um, you're already in, in a good spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, like the, the first one, if a man steps on the stranger's foot, like, um, you offer an explanation, you know, you, it's not my fault, you know, it's the crowd's fault. It's the market's place fault. It's like, you know, had it not been for, you know, but you're in a market, you know, um, of course you should s still say sorry, but, um, you start blaming. Uh, and, you know, I know when, when my kids step on each other's feet, you know, it's, uh, um, that sorry, it isn't, you know, it's, it's just, they just know it's something that has to be said. I don't know how much they actually mean it, but, um, you know, most of the time they, they try to do the, the, the next right thing because otherwise I'll have to go and ask them to apologize. So, um, yeah. Um, and then the perfect wisdom is on plan. Like that's the, you know, just to our conversations before, like, how did we get here? You know, <laughs> you know, um, I would say like a couple of months ago, I didn't plan on being at a, at a Taoist recovery meeting, you know, but here I am, you know, it's, uh, and, um, yeah. Um, that's just, you know, some of the things that stood out for, for me. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be more. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Uh, Carrie? Yeah, so I had trouble connecting the two, like the first three paragraphs to the last paragraph. And like the first three seemed like how I am at work or I'm actually nice to people and courteous. And then with my siblings, I'm kind of at a detente, right? I don't want them to beat me up or something. So I'll say sorry just to avoid future trouble. But then at home, like with my kids, I'm totally unguarded. And I just, I'm just, I don't, the people, so it's almost like I'm treating it backwards. Like the people that I love the most, I'm treating the worst. <laughs> and, and the people that mean, mean the least to me, I'm treating the best. Uh, so it kind of, kind of made, made me think about that as I was reading it. But then when I got the second paragraph, it made me kind of think about how Sometimes I try to be clever to get all these things done and how that always backfires on me instead of just kind of letting it, letting it be the, un, like the perfect wisdom is unplanned, you know, instead of trying to think it all through and, uh, ahead of time, just, um, it made me think that, you know, just being in the moment is always better than to try to get it planned ahead of time. But I had trouble connecting those paragraphs. Thanks, Gary. Um, yeah, I saw, the first paragraph, uh, I saw these as just degrees of love, really. The, the first one being, you know, your actions require explanation or, or demonstration. As it says, perfect love is without demonstration. 
Okay. And then the second one, you know, brothers, you don't, it doesn't require an explanation, you know, and then the third one is, is even a closer kind of love with a parent to a child. Uh, perfect love is without demonstration. Uh, perfect wisdom is unplanned. I, I thought about the uh, without demonstration, without adding any excuses to our behavior or to, to what's going on in our life. Uh, we, we don't. Um, um, that when we have really a closeness or a love for someone. We don't have to, uh, our behavior doesn't have to be explained, even our bad behavior, you know, even our negative behavior. There's a vulnerability there with those that we love. And I, I thought about how this, did anyone think of a Tao verse that this related to? I really thought about the 37th verse. I emailed you guys and posted about the 37th. I thought had, uh, I'm going to read McDonald's 37. If y'all have something else in the Tao that, that relates to this, please speak up. The highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. I'll put it in the in the chat for you too. It'll be the third translation. The highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. The ordinary person seeks to do good things and finds that they cannot do them continually. The master does not force virtue on others, thus she's able to accomplish her task. The ordinary person who uses force will find that they accomplish nothing. The kind person acts from the heart and accomplishes a multitude of things. The righteous person acts out of pity, yet leaves many things undone. The moral person acts out of duty. And when no one will respond, will roll up his sleeves and use force. When the Tao is forgotten, there's righteousness. When righteousness is forgotten, there's morality. These are like those degrees I was thinking about of the apologies. When morality is forgotten, there's law. The law is the husk of faith and trust is the beginning of chaos. Gradually going down, right? The basic understandings are not from the Tao because they come from the depths of our misunderstanding. The master abides in the fruit and not in the husk. She dwells in the Tao and not with the things that hide it. This is how she increases in wisdom. You know, we see the sign. We can look at this and see those signs of uh, when our love is lacking, I think. Um, and anytime, you know, if I related this story, let's say to my, uh, to my recovery, the way I would relate the story to my recovery would be, uh, and we could think of this, okay, we could think of this like uh, when we start losing our connection with our higher power. Uh, when I've got a really good connection and I slip up, whatever I do, that's I just don't, you know, it's no big deal. But when I'm starting to lose my connection, I start making excuses for my behavior, and then I start looking for others to blame eventually. <laughs> Y'all see that spiral out? It's like you're going back up the verse now instead of, you know, you get down to that last stanza. It's where you really are supposed to live in number four, three and four. But you go back up to two when you start, you know, you, you think you start apologizing for and then number one you start you're starting to find blame and you're starting to find ways to uh excuses um let me read uh or any comments guys this is verse 18 from uh my interpretation uh living from the heart when the way of sobriety the way of love is abandoned in a lie actions are no longer from the heart we find ourselves helping others because we're supposed to, not because we want to. We start wishing we no longer had to be honest. We pray less and attend fewer meetings. We become agitated at times for no apparent reason. We eventually become a shell of what we used to be, fear growing behind every action. If we do not surrender again to this way of love, this way of sobriety, we're destined to drink. It's like the reverse, you know, 
when I start getting dry, y'all familiar with that phrase in recovery, getting dry? Carrie, what that means is when we get in a, in a place in our recovery to where we're, it's not as fresh and as new as it once was. And we're starting to just go through the motions. Um, It could be any time that, you know, like, let's say we, for whatever reason, we got busy and haven't prayed in a few days or haven't done whatever it is that we do for our connection. Let's say, uh, we have a devotion we read and we have a time of prayer or meditation. Let's say we get busy for a couple of days and we don't do that. And then we find these are the things we start seeing that we start, you know, getting agitated. I get agitated for no reason. I'm like, why am I ha- aggravated when I'm normally not? You know, I may not want to go to a meeting when I should, you know, all those things, you know, that start happening in that spiral. And if we don't correct, and come back to what works for us, uh, then that's going to lead us to a drink. Sorry, isms. Yes. Yes. They start creeping up when, when the daily reprieve isn't kept intact, you know. Yeah. We have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, right, Jesper? Yeah, that's the quote. Yeah. It's good. And, and I see this apologies as a, I can see that in reverse. Y'all see that? Like it starts with the relationship as the parent relationship to the child. And then if it gets a little dry, then it can go to the real, the brother, brother relationship or sibling relationship. And then it can go to the relationship of someone that you don't even know that you get, but that same attitude that you start, it starts happening if we're not careful. Amy. I'm just sitting here thinking about, being dry, so so dryity. Mm-hmm. Some people call it so dryity, and I can. For me, I think it's more of the agitation and irritation, and acting like an asshole. Um, because I I think my disease is so powerful that even when I'm doing four, five, six, seven meetings a week, even when I'm working with all of my sponsees on a regular basis, even when I'm working with my sponsor on a regular basis, even when I'm doing my meditations, it's still like out of the freaking blue, we'll use something really stupid and it'll set me off. And then I'm going down that rabbit hole of, well, you're an asshole and you're an asshole and you're an asshole. You're a bigger asshole than I am. And, um, you know, I mean, like, and I'll, then my mouth starts and I need everybody to, to, to listen to the venom and the fire that's breathing. I need everybody to know what a victim I am. And like, again, that can even happen when I'm doing all those other things, because I know that's how powerful my disease. I literally I was right at time coming to this, come to this podcast because I knew that I needed to get away from my work and my computer and the phone and go walk. I, I knew that I needed to do that. And I even sent one of my sponsees a message and I said, almost time for the Dow. I hope I can continue to read, you know, to find my center again today. And so I I think it doesn't necessarily have to be, I don't know. I don't know. I know for me, I do know that I need to continue to do doing the things that I do act as if I'm not frustrated in my head, even when I am, because if I don't continue to do the things that I'm doing, I will drink, right? To drink is to die or, or even kill somebody, (laughs) you know, like literally, I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful that my desire to seek and to, to not sit in my shit for longer than a few minutes or a few hours, sometimes at a time, I'm glad the desire to not stay there is greater, you know? Then, then what is it the when the pain come becomes too or the desire to change? I don't even remember what I'm trying to say, but something about 
the desire to change is greater than the desire staying the same. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, only we know when we're not at that point of fitness. You know, we all know it. We know it way before we see the uh, outward results of it. It's almost like three, two, one in reverse. You know, I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God. Then I started experiencing some insanity and insanity is not something I can see. It's peace and it's happening within. Then if I let that inward insanity stay long enough, I'm going to see unmanageability. I'm going to see step one. I'm going to see, I'm going to act out. I'm going to say something. I'm going to cuss at somebody. I'm going to do something that I shouldn't, some action of some type. And that's physical, visible, and manageability. That's the way I. it happens for me. That's really good. I never thought about it like that. Um, but it's it's like in specifically talking about drinking. I drank because I wanted to. I drank because I had. I drank because I wanted to. I drank because I needed to. I drank because I had to. I got sober because I had to, not from the judge. Then I was sober and doing the deal because I needed to, and now it's because I want to. And even it can go from (laughs) one to three and three to one, like in a matter of 30 seconds. Like I could have been spiritually fit 20 minutes ago, two minutes ago. But that's, again, the cunning, baffling, powerful. That's the hideousness. I have a sponsee that his, uh, he said, you know, he says, I was just listening to a song on the radio and I haven't thought about it lately. His father's homeless and just uh, hasn't been a good father to him. And he said, uh, all of a sudden I was calling my wife and telling her how big a piece of shit my father was. And he said, I haven't thought about him in months. He said, I thought we dealt with this (laughs) years ago, you know, and he's still, it's still a little bit of it there. He heard some old song that reminded what it was. He's taking his son to get all kinds of stuff for baseball. And he remembered his father didn't do that stuff for him kind of thing, you know, and then it, it all just spiraled. He says, well, I was cussing my father whom I haven't talked to in a long time about, you know, all of, how, where did that come from? He said, I thought I dealt with this, you know, but that stuff's deep and we have to keep working at it. And when it, when it pops up its head, we have to deal with it and surrender it more. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Jesper, you have something? Yeah, I think um, I was just talking with my sponsor today about the blessing and the curse of of being aware now. You know, (laughs) because like now that we're aware, we, you know, we know what to do. Like we've been given some tools, you know, and um, what I heard from this as well is like um, from Dr. Totten, you know, talking about uh, the importance of taking care of yourself before you start taking care of anyone else. You know, if you if you go out into the world and you're already like restless, irritable and discontent, you know, everything will piss you off, Um, you know, and no matter how good you're doing, you know, um, it, it, it backfires on you because you're you're not in a good spot. Like you didn't, you didn't take care of yourself and, and you're running on, you know, then that's when your, your glass is half empty, you know? Um, and, or it's completely full because like you, you didn't get rid of all that junk, you know, uh, old memories or, you know, you let, you let the past come and haunt you. So then throw you off in the day. Um, and, you know, as you were saying, buddy, like the days when I don't do my meditation, my prayers, like when I don't start my day off, um, you know, I'm already off, you know, I'm already off running. Um, and, and then the awareness comes in where, you know, I need to, I need to pause, you know, which is really, really hard when you're, when you're in it. Um, and, and remember, you know, start digging back into these tools, like, you know, and, and again, to quote, like Dr. Totten, like, where's this coming from? You know, 
and that's that's the blessing of, of of the awareness when we can start like oh i'm pissed off as x y and z because of this you know it was because last night you know um i did something and i didn't apologize and it's kind of i'm carrying it over into today and i didn't let go of it you know um and and yeah and that's when you know oh man it's too sunny today or it's too cloudy or you know everything is just wrong um and and that's you know that's when my ism creeps up like that's when that baffling powerful you know it just wants to throw me off um because then i start you know as you know i start getting resentful at everything and all resentments come back up even though i thought i had let them go and you know apologize for it and but um i guess that's you know it's it's a it's it's just a, a dance that we have to take when it comes you know um and um but when i feel like that it's usually something i did or didn't do you know and then i gotta go back and and try and fix it you know uh or take the next right step to um to set myself right because like then when i come home and i'm already like on fire and and annoyed like you know then then a sorry you know, then I start explaining myself. I start coming with all these excuses. We're back to number one again, you know, and then slowly I got to work my, my way back down, you know, where, where words are not needed because like, I'm not running around like a tornado, you know, and food's on the table. (laughs) Thank you. I, I, I love it when we get in these conversations and they show themselves, I had no idea this would end up being this. When I, when we came into this, I, I said, there's just not, I don't see anything here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's so clear the first three steps and that whole process is so clear in that. Huh. And, you know, we have to act our way into right thinking too. You know, we know what works for us, whether we feel like it or not. We just have to take the action to do the things that work for us, no matter how we feel. That's what you were talking about, Amy. Sometimes we just have to do what we have to do, no matter, no, no matter how we're feeling. Take contrary Heidi? action to the way we feel. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yes. Heidi, you have something? You're muted, dear. Let me unmute you. There you go. Can you? Um, hey, I'm here. <laughs> okay. um, so I'm, I'm so glad this came up because actually like on the flip side, like, like today I got approved for, um, um, a mortgage for, for a new house. And like, um, you know, I'm 40 years old and I'm finally, you know, like getting my own health insurance and, and getting my my house and like growing up. But like, you know, like I was so excited. Like I was like, you know, I'm going to call my dad because my dad's moving in with me. I'm like, this is going to be great. And, you know, and so I have to like put the brakes on because I know like I can get carried away in like that, like, you know, creating those fantasies and scenarios, like in my brain of like, you know, how things are going to be. And, you know, so I just had to like, you know, kind of like be like, you know, okay, this is good for today you know, but I'm not going to like, you know, because anything can happen, you know, and so even with good things, like, I don't want to get too, like, you know, I I can go from, you know, to that extreme also, so I'm just trying to, you know, just, um, but still, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on, like, you know, four months ago, I was, you know, came into AA, and I was, you know, dating an alcoholic, and, you know, um, you know, severely addicted to alcohol, having, you know, tremors and shakes. And now I'm, you know, kicked my boyfriend out, he's gone. And, you know, um, I'm doing things on my own. And, you know, I'm doing my program and, you know, getting qualified for a house. I just got health insurance yesterday. And, you know, I'm just, like, I don't feel like this pride. I just feel like this total, like, gratefulness to God because that's, like, you know, the product of, like, you know, just and, you know, just trying to approach it that way. So that's all I got. Thanks. 
Thanks, Heidi. Now, Heidi's kind of like taking the uh, country song and playing it backwards. <laughs> Y'all heard that in recovery. I don't know, care if you ever heard that in recovery. There's a saying that, you know, as you're in recovery, you, everything, you know, you lose everything in the country song, you know, you lose the wife and the family and all the stuff. But the but recovery is like playing that song backwards. You know, you get all that stuff back, you know, so that was good. That was good. Any other comments, guys? It just makes me think of a, like you guys are talking like exercising or just, you know, when I when I exercise every day or twice a day, I used to, when I, when I, was, when I was at work, we had a fitness center and I exercised twice a day. I just needed it. Like I started hitting noon or, and if I hadn't worked out that second time, I started feeling bad. I could feel it, but, you know, not on that home and I stopped, I just can't get back into it. And I don't need it anymore, but I, I, I guess I need it, but I don't want it anymore. It just gets hard to get it going. But once you get it going, I get into it. I need it. I have to do it. But then, but if I stop, I start seeing the, the bad effects, but it's hard to get back into it. Yeah, and, you know, the thing is with spiritual fitness is that uh, my life depends on that. <laughs> not just my not weight gaining weight or not or feeling better. My actual life depends on my spiritual fitness. I think that's yeah. right. <laughs> I know yeah. the physical tools sometimes, it's the, the spiritual ones that haunt me. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, you know, is learning how, just being aware enough to identify the spiritual tools that you have that keep you spiritually fit. You know, and for everyone, they're a little different. Um, for me, when I first came into recovery, it was reading the Daily Reflections, which is a a, uh, a recovery book, and saying the Lord's Prayer and asking God to bless my family, more or less. That was pretty much what I did for the first use the Lord's Prayer. For, and I did that, took about five minutes, maybe 10 at the most, never 15. And I did that for the first two, three years I was sober. And then that just grew to doing other things. And uh, now uh, I read all of Transitions, which has that in it. And then uh, I meditate for a period of time and I read some other things when I can. But my life has changed, too. I'm uh, more or less retired and I have time to do whatever I want to do now. So I don't have little kids running around. So. Uh, it's, a, it's a different time restraint, so I can do the things that I want to do now instead. So, you know, it changes, but we have to be sensitive to the things that speak to us. Uh, I think that's so important, and only we know that. For some of us, I had a sponsor one time that couldn't stay sober. And I said, what is it that speaks to you spiritually? He said, meetings. I said, okay, I want you going to a meeting every day. I want you to text me at night the meeting you're going, you went to today. And it got to the point I said, and he kept drinking going. I said, I, if you don't text me and tell me what meeting you went to, I'll just assume you don't want me to be your sponsor anymore. I said, you're going to a meeting every day. I don't care if you have to Uber. I don't care how you get there drunk. It doesn't matter. I want you at a meeting every day. Doesn't matter how you feel or your condition. And uh, he did that within a week. He was staying sober and has been sober ever since. You know, but that's what spoke to him spiritually. So, and I think it's different for all of us. And we have to, we have to just, I think if we sit still long enough and just turn that voice within, what's right for us starts bubbling to the top. You know, those things that speak to us, we'll start to see. For me, that's how it works every time. It's just to be still enough, long enough. And I, I just start knowing. It's crazy how that happens. Yes, sir. Oh, it's just, um, I'm glad Carrie brought up, uh, exercise. Like, um, I, I go out running every day. Um, and I think that's something that, um, you know, getting into the Tao, like when I'm out in nature, like that's, um, I, if I don't do it, I, you know, I've, I've, it's become a habit, you know, I, um, and I need it. You know, but it's also dangerous, you know, if I injure my knee and I don't have it. Um, so I, I got to have more than one thing. Uh, and I'm glad you, you bring up, you know, the uh, the meetings, you know, um, because like 
uh, before Zoom, you know, I heard a lot of people, you know, talk about um, all of a sudden they weren't able to go to meetings anymore and their spirituality, like their, that, that lifeline to their sobriety wasn't there anymore. So I think, um, I think what I'm getting at is like, we can't rest all our laurels on one thing. Um, I think multiple things, uh, definitely for me, because like, if, you know, I feel like a physical thing, if I, if I don't go exercise and that, you know, I, I start feeling the same, like I get irritable, I get restless, you know, my, my body needs to like release that energy. Um, but also just, you know, how amazing it is to be out in nature. You know, it's, I know it's not meditation, but, um, the endorphins, you know, you know, you can't get addicted to it, you know, and I am, I was out in minus 30 this morning, like the only person out there, you know, but, you know, I was, I also get to see the sunrise every morning, you know, I got the park to myself here in my little town. And, um, you know, I usually wake up the animals cause like they're not even awake yet. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just part of my, my daily, like I need to do this. Um, and, and Carrie, if, if you don't, if you think you don't need to go out and exercise, it's probably because you need to go out and exercise. Just like if you don't want to go to a meeting, it's probably because you have to go to a meeting. <laughs> Thank you, Jesper. That's good. Amy? Yeah, I was just going to say that's part of taking contrary action to the way to the way I feel. I can't hear that on the podcast, but I was getting to Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have to be, you know, for me, I think the big takeaway is I have to become aware of myself so much more. I just have to be able to, isn't that uh, the 11th step that, uh, why can I not, what's the 11th step? Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood and praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. Right. So it, it's that uh, having that conscious contact and us building on that uh, is becoming aware of the will of God around us. Not that the will of God's not happening. It's happening all the time, I think. It's just us being Becoming aware of it. And we're just not aware of it. Amy? Yep. Going back to the reading, um, perfect wisdom is unplanned. That that really made me think of, um, like, I never planned to be an alcoholic. I never planned to be addicted to drugs. I never planned any of that stuff. Um, but that... But because that's who I am, I now get to be in recovery and I get to uncover, discover, and discard all those things that aren't really me that have just piled up over the years, right? Getting down to my true authentic self and getting to that, the wisdom, right? The wisdom to know the difference, going back to the serenity prayer. So I think it's kind of cool that. <laughs> When we first started talking today, you know, and I said, I don't know how I got here. I just ended up here. This wasn't planned. This definitely was not in my list of things to be when I grew up. Right. And and it certainly wasn't in my list of things that I thought I was going to get out of sobriety. So perfect wisdom is unplanned. Then the next part, perfect love is without demonstrations. I don't need to tell you, especially with, with my husband and my kids, and I loved the, that someone pointed out that the end was like, oh, the first three, you know, the greatest politeness is free of all formality. That kind of relates back to the man stepping on the stranger's foot. And I didn't connect that when I read it first, but now I see that like plain as day, right? But perfect love is without demonstrations with the kid, with treading on the child's foot, nothing is said at all. And then someone did point out that it's because the child knows. The child knows most of the time, and there are exceptions, right? But it's because my kids know, my husband knows, my 
the, the grandkids know that I love them. And it's, it's not because of anything extra that I do for them or not do for them. But it's just because I am being my true authentic self. And that in of itself is perfect wisdom. And you see what I'm trying to do here? It's like really definitely all connected. And none of it I wrote down a long time ago. So this is what's going to happen with my life. Program of attraction. Not promotion. No demonstration. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting, Amy, how, you know, if we're walking in love, and that's what this is talking about, I think, that it's free of formality. It's free of concern. It's unplanned. Love's unplanned. It's without demonstration or uh, without uh, explanation could be a way to say that. And I, I still don't know about the perfect sincerity offers no guarantee other than I think that's just that we don't have to defend ourselves with those that we love, that when we're when we're in a loving environment, like with our kids or spouses or any of those things, uh, we can be vulnerable. We don't have to give reasons or excuses like, you know, the, it wasn't necessary for the parent to apologize to the child because the, the child knew they were loved and it was not on purpose. You know, it's that kind of a, that's what love does. You know, love doesn't need to give excuses and reasons. Love doesn't need defense either. You know, now I can be any of these three. I could be the parent, the brother, or the stranger at any time. You know, the goal is with everyone to be the parent, right? See, the, the three different ones. I could, the goal is to be the parent all the time with everyone, you know, is to be in that place of love. But I can be any of those three at any time, or I could be the, a fourth out there past the stranger and just fuck everybody, you know? <laughs> I don't even give a reason, <laughs> you know? I could even be worse, you know? Uh, but, you know, that, I think that's the whole point of this is to realize the difference in the relationships and the difference in the degrees of, of love and caring that's there. And if you wanted a description, that's another description of Wu Wei too, of effortless effort. That, that flow of life, that self-giving flow is that last paragraph. And it's for, that flow is free of the formality and the concern and it's unplanned. Uh, it's without excuses. And it doesn't give need defense either. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, guys. I like, I think it has a, the, the first part of the first verse of 37 in McDonald says, the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. Mm. And I really think that just allowing ourselves to become this is, is what it's about. And that's the hard part is just, allowing it to happen it's nothing that we have to create or make happen but gosh it is so difficult to allow <laughs> because i want to work it and do it instead but allowing it is just letting go of the control like we've talked about and just letting and just being and that that is a hard thing um i know we didn't get to uh advising the prince but just a saying that just kept popping up in my head when we were talking about this um uh the road to hell is paved with paved with good intentions um, yes. and you know i think with all this like why are you doing this you know like the perfect you know it's unplanned it's without demonstration there's no guarantees you know there's no formality you know but if it comes from the ego of 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 justifying things of of being right and and um you know then yeah then it's just fuck you all <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because like it comes from a place of it's not it's not uh it's not sincere mm -hmm. you know it uh you do good things in order to receive something you know and i think you know when you do service to look good, when you, when you buy flowers, because like 
you know you kind of did something you know when you when you go out of your way to um you know and and hoping to get something in return like a pat on the shoulder or um you know or or kiss on the cheek or 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 forgiveness or whatever it is that you're seeking um then then it's it's going to end bad because it's not coming from from a place of the heart you know yeah that's good and we're going to talk about the uh, second story in another meeting we'll save that the advising the prince for another meeting we won't miss it Jesper. that's good thank you carrie I was going to say, that's kind of what I thought, like that whole last paragraph was about being clever. And every time I pre-think of how I want to say something, I'm always trying to be clever in how I'm doing it so that I look good or come off. And, and I even stop listening and being in the moment because I have to get that out so, so much sometimes. <laughs> but uh, that just made me think about it, that like being in the moment isn't thinking about how you're going to do all these things so you can get something. It's listening and letting that unplanned thing come out of you. You'll see something and you'll do the right thing. I read that those first three paragraphs backwards. Like initially I thought that the third one was bad when your kids don't, when you don't say anything to them, but it just meant that they, I knew they loved me and I didn't know it. You're not alone on that. That's how I read it the first times too. It's like. <laughs> it's the paradox of love really. We look at it first and we think one thing when it really means something different, like well, like the paradoxes in recovery when we read them, you know, dying to live. What does that mean? All those things that we see. It's interesting, too, that that one's showing love and it's the shortest one, too. <laughs> the one that's the least love is the longest is the biggest explanation. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. Anything else? Thank you very much. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.